All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you today, Mike. Hello. Hi, I'm with Mike Burke today. And Mike, we met about a week ago when you and Elizabeth Spivak interviewed That's me correct. for the ILV podcast, The Dissidents. And so that was our first time meeting. And I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. And it sounded like you had a very interesting story yourself for for why you are now doing what you're doing and mm. i i thought it would be great to have the opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one and and hear more about you and about about what your backstory is so um thank you so much for joining me today pleasure um where should we start yeah um... well so you're you found yourself uh hosting a podcast and so what brought you to be doing that and what were you doing before and and what what is your focus right now with work Right. Okay. So, um, my, how did I get to the podcast? Um, so Elizabeth and I were members of Counterweight, um, which has at least for now ceased to exist. It might get resurrected at some point. Mm -hmm. And Counterweight was, um, formed by our friend, um, Helen Pluckrose, um, as an organization that was broadly liberal, mm -hmm. um, that um, would push back against the excesses of critical social justice. So at the time, there were lots of people who were pushing back against critical so social justice from um, a right-wing point of view. So a lot mm -hmm. of um, conservatives, and, and that's great. I don't hate conservatives, by the way, uh, or Christians either. Um, lots of friends who are, who are both. Um, but we felt that there was room for something that was a bit more liberal than that. Uh, so we we created that organization or Helen created that organization um I joined up later um initially as one of the academic the you know the heads of the academic section um but then also as one of the board members as well um Elizabeth was too um yeah how did I join Counterway and how yeah you were in academia before that yeah so um I I think the first time when I really came across critical social justice um, as an individual mm -hmm. um, was when I was being insulted on Facebook for being white, <laughs> which was a bit strange. Um, and I didn't didn't understand where that was coming from or, or what it was about. And mm -hmm. then somebody told me, you need to educate yourself. Um, and as somebody who's on the spectrum, when you tell us to do something literal, often we will do something literal. Um, so I did educate myself and I, I, I read, um, I would say quite extensively into um, critical race theory, into um, feminism, um, queer theory, um critical theory you know the original critical theory rather than critical mm -hmm. race theory um postmodernism um uh, you know and and I, I found in that literature that there was lots to dislike I found that there was some worthwhile stuff in there as well but what I found most of all was that once I armed myself with that knowledge and then I went after people who were going after me with this stuff is that the scholars, even, you know, even the academics, they're saying I'm an academic at this university, sometimes quite prestigious places. They didn't actually know what they were talking about. Mm. Um, so many of them hadn't really invested much time in the academic literature that they claimed they had. So they were mm -hmm. frauds, in other words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that you know, even within critical social justice, um, I mean, a lot of the academics who we would consider within critical social justice would reject that because 
that's a term that comes along later and is used by Robin DiAngelo and is then picked up. And they don't like woke either, right? They, they used to like it, but they don't like it anymore um, since it's become largely pejorative. And, right. but, but what I found is that there are some nuanced scholars in that field and that they don't behave like this. Um, the more nuanced ones, they, they might not not they might not kind of object to cancellations but they're hardly like the pitchfork wielding kind of types so i found things were quite quite more sophisticated than i initially thought um so then as an academic as i first encountered it um i was doing a master's degree in education and i come from a skeptical background so i was ghosts and monsters has always been my thing since I was a kid and I've always been disappointed to find out that they don't exist um or at least there's no evidence for them um and that kind of led me into skepticism um you know trying to seek out evidence for paranormal claims which Mm -hmm. then led me to critical thinking Mm -hmm. you know um logic um being aware of psychological biases um how, how how do we make mistakes how can we avoid making mistakes um and so I thought well education let's push critical thinking wouldn't that be an amazing thing mm-hmm. um and then I got into education and I wanted to do my master's thesis on uh critical thinking and what I discovered is that oh yeah critical thinking all that nice stuff that you're talking about that's all very good and important by which they meant it's not important at all mm-hmm. um this is critical thinking in the weak sense but critical thinking in the strong sense is emancipatory reasoning Oh my um, gosh. I'm, so there's really um, two oh, kinds yeah. at this point. Right. So, so wow. this comes from okay. this comes from a guy who died recently, God bless his soul. Um, a guy called Richard Paul, who is the head of the American Foundation for Critical Thinking, I think it's called. Okay. It's an organization that pushes critical thinking in schools. And he real and critical is, thinking. No. Oh. Okay. Not in my opinion. I okay, mean they okay. made a little bit of that. They made yeah. a little bit about of that, but 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 certainly what they seem to focus on is critical thinking in the strong sense is what mm-hmm. they call it. this is what they call critical thinking in the strong oh, sense oh it's a redefinition yeah it's a complete redefinition okay so they, they 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 try and reconcile two fundamentally different ways of looking at the world so certainly critical thinking as we would know it let's say naive critical thinking because mm. that's what people naively think it is in education it it's not oh, that really. Okay. Okay. Um, would be just what I said: logic, right? Fallacies, mm-hmm. biases, um, hasty generalizations, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, and, and they will say this is all very important. They don't mean it's very important, but they will say it's very important. But then they'll say the critical thinking in the strong sense is basically critical theory. Hmm. So this notion that you are being oppressed. Um, that you are not necessarily aware of the ways in which you are being oppressed mm-hmm. and that you need to either be educated or work very hard and educate yourself in order to learn the ways in which you're being oppressed and then you gain critical consciousness, right? So, um, Which so is woke yeah. now. The new articulation of it's woke because it's all tied into race and stuff like that. This yeah. is the first time I'm hearing this and that's amazing. Right. That's really interesting. So so weak critical thinking, a weak type of critical thinking is using your analytical thinking. skills to dissect the logic of an argument but right. strong critical thinking is applying critical social justice and this this social hierarchy matrix to uh, yeah, the scenario say, to, to be fair it predates okay. um you know critical social justice by okay. quite a bit um okay. i would say that the most robust articulation of it is probably paulo frieri um mm-hmm. in a book called the pedagogy of the oppressed Mm-hmm. um and this is what we but but it, it it's you know as a theme it's certainly there in 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 much earlier thinkers like um 
Horkheimer um, going back to his, I think it was in 1938 essay, um, Traditional and Critical Theory, okay. um, where traditional theory is, you know, learning about science or politics or, or mm-hmm. whatever, whereas critical theory is this, this knowledge that is... Um, they'd call it praxis, right? This, this, this mm-hmm. knowledge that is also used as part of political action. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and certainly they saw, they kind of saw critical theory as being in many ways, the higher form of theory because it's able to, to, to bring about this kind of change. Because it's contextually based and it's based in the society as they see it in this, right. this disparate hierarchical kind of and, and let's system. Give the devil, yeah. And let's give the devil his due here because I don't think any of these critical theorists would have had any time for the likes of D'Angelo and Kendi. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're painful to read because they, mm-hmm. they just write in this kind of much in the same way that people like Foucault write, which is just, you know, it's just, occasionally makes a good point but it's just painful to read yeah um but you know there is something to be said for 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 example i mean you know imagine um you work in a in a factory and um you earn enough money to live a reasonable life um you go home you buy a couple of beers from the convenience store on the way back something i do quite often um, you then open them up and you watch whatever it is on TV, mm-hmm. ER or whatever you like on TV. And that kind of makes you content. You don't go and challenge the fact that your labor might be worth more than you're receiving for it. Um, and that you could readdress the social balance. Were you able to do that? So you're kind of pacified by television and mm-hmm. beer, if you like. Mm-hmm. I, I, fine. Um, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, Certainly what they weren't getting at is this kind of very racialized, I mean, out of that kind of the original critical theorist, there is Marcuse, who's a bit of a nut job. Um, He might have kind of gone down that route, but I think he's the only one. Um, And they wouldn't have been at the whole woke thing where, you know, everything is racism and, Mm. you know, they they would have much more been much more conciliatory, trying to band people together rather than seek to divide them, Mm. which is what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. But certainly in education, what I was really surprised to find was that critical thinking that that we would think of as critical thinking and the kind of thing that parents think of as critical thinking, Mm -hmm. what they would want for their kids um, has been swapped out for something completely different. And, And the two are not, they're not compatible. Mm-hmm, right, no. because they're because, different it's a right, different well, process fundamentally epistemologically yeah. right so epistemology mm-hmm. the philosophy of how do we know things right mm-hmm. so um how how do we know things from a critical thinking point of view would be logical empirical mm-hmm. right Th- mm-hmm. there are certain objective facts that we can know about the world um and and, and we test them via the scientific method or, mm-hmm. or via the application of logic you know um, I probably don't need to define that, but 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 the so that would be the critical thinking in the weak sense that they have it in education right mm-hmm. now. But the strong sense is much more. Well, we are being oppressed. Well, how do we know we're being oppressed? Well, we are being oppressed. Mm-hmm. Circular. It's, yeah, well, teleological completely. You know, mm-hmm. that is taken as like you know, how do we um, know the Bible is the word of God, right? Well, because God wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it. You know, it's that kind of argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't mean to say that nothing, I don't mean to say that anything that comes out of critical theory is bad. I don't think that, you know, I, I've read it and I, there's some useful stuff in there. Um, but I think what bothered me um, wasn't that they that they were teaching students about this way of thinking. 
mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that this is one way of thinking and this mm-hmm. is how it could be used. It's that they were requiring students to agree with this. And, mm-hmm. and in some articulations of critical race theory, they've been doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're saying, you know, his critical race theory was originates from Derek Bell who took mm-hmm. it from critical legal studies yeah um it goes through Kimberly Crenshaw who wrote an interesting paper and here is what she argued mm-hmm. um it's the difference between teaching it alongside other theories and teaching it as the vehicle through which they're teaching you everything precisely indoctrination mm-hmm. versus education mm-hmm. which is and, and, and I, I gave a presentation about this in I think it was 2019 um mm-hmm. at Heterodox Academy in, in in New York at the conference they had there um so so that's a roundabout way so I, I look I I I wrote my dissertation on that I was assigned a dissertation supervisor I didn't talk to him at all I just did mm-hmm. a complete academic broadside and submitted my paper on the last possible day um, so there was no back and, and forth. it was about the contrast between the two kinds of critical a, a, education versus indoctrination oh yeah. okay wow okay. And, and how the, the two epistemologies aren't mm-hmm. on are fundamentally hostile to each other you can't mm-hmm. reconcile them you can't mm-hmm. say this is weak sense and strong sense when they're completely antagonistic mm-hmm. weak sense and so- strong sense seems to imply that you can use one or the other well the, yeah either, mm-hmm. that know, they're either, degrees of one another Right, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're exactly, that they're degrees of one another, that they're mm-hmm. somehow compatible. They're not. You know, one is mm-hmm. a very faith-based um, right. ideological way of reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is, you know, much more objective form of analysis that would be more consistent with what we would think to be um, considered critical thinking. So they were, you know, antithetical mm-hmm. ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I, I did quite well on that thesis. Mm-hmm. I You know, if I was to publish it now, I don't think I, I would do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably be failed outright now. Um, but at the time, I think I lived in more educated, more enlightened times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very worried about that. Um, and I saw it coming in education before, before things got before things got to the point where the word woke had become a pejorative, for example, okay. or critical race theory had become a pejorative before well, most people had heard of that. Will you say again when that was? Because I don't know if I caught it. What year was that, that you were in that master's program? I think I must have finished around about 2014. 14? Okay. I think. Okay. So in the... Like you, I'm not a numbers-driven yeah. person, so, yeah, so no. I might have put that wrong. Um, so <laughs> but the that, that time-ish, in the early teens, Yeah, early I, to I mid-teens. I, I think that looking back at it, the the signs of this stuff were all in place even mm-hmm. earlier than that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being an undergrad in 2000 and mm-hmm. um, seeing safe spaces and stuff like that mm-hmm. crop up. Um, but there was no ideological bullying, or at least mm-hmm. there wasn't very much of it. It didn't, it, it, I never experienced that. But um, in hindsight, you can see, you can but put in it hindsight, together. You can yeah. see it there, right. Yeah. Um, but certainly, the, the, it, and I started, I, I got into academia in education and I started seeing teachers failing students, for example, um, for objecting to ideas from feminism or for mm. uh, objecting to ideas from critical race theory. And again, let me be clear, these academics who are doing this, I'm not saying that they were the best feminist scholars in the world, Mm -hmm. nor am I saying that there aren't plenty of feminist scholars who would look at those academics and roll their eyes and think, oh, for God's goodness sake, I -hmm. I have a very good friend who's a very um, intelligent feminist scholar who absolutely has no time for these people whatsoever um, Mm -hmm. and has no problem saying it. 
Um, this so goes back to what you're saying about yeah. the kind of the cursory knowledge that a lot of people actually have of this stuff. The way that it's Very being applied so. is not really in keeping with some of the fundamentals of if you were right. to actually do the the research. Well, I mean, if you were to drill down, mm -hmm. so I mean, we, we've drilled down to kind of critical theory, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, which was again, it comes from Marxism. Mm -hmm. And say what you like about Marxism, and there's plenty of nasty stuff to be said about Marxism. If you want to see that, go on to the Distance podcast, check out the chat we had um, with Ken Pope, who is the uh, director, the CEO of the Victims from Communism Memorial mm. Foundation, where we specifically get into Marxism. Um, but the one thing that, that can be said that's positive about Marxism is that it doesn't discriminate on the basis of gender or mm -hmm. um, or race. Mm -hmm. or, you know, so it's, it's, it's very, very conciliatory. Mm -hmm. um, but this stuff isn't conciliatory um and then and, and as, as you alluded to the people who are arguing it they, they don't understand they don't drill down if, if they did drill down they would they would be far more conciliatory than they actually are um Derek Bell doesn't say that all white people are evil Derek mm. Bell for example mm -hmm. you know the, the the progenitor of critical race theory he actually says that plant there are plenty of white people who joined the fight against slavery and racism specific mm. not because it was in their interests to but because um, for no other reason than they thought it was the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, so they don't drill down into the basis of critical race theory. They certainly don't drill down into the basis of critical theory, the earlier critical theory. Mm -hmm. And they don't, and, and this is like my problem with Jordan Peterson, for example, who, who is a very knowledgeable person on cognitive mm -hmm. psychology and, and, and clinical psychology. And you should absolutely listen to him about things like that. But, but you know, his dismissal of postmodernism, I mean, you know, mm. they don't do drill down into postmodernism either. Mm. So, you know, Jordan Peterson, for example, um, will say, well, I don't get how you can reconcile Marxism and postmodernism, right? Mm. And the answer is you can't. And that, that's the whole point of postmodernism. Mm. Um, so the idea of the post the postmodernists had, and this is why the postmodernists would reject critical social justice as well, by the way. So we've gone through the critical the critical theory types, the critical race theory types, and the postmodernists like Foucault would have no time for it either. And the reason for that is, is because these guys had grown up as Marxists, right? Mm. So they had seen Marxism as a useful tool um, of pushing back against certain powerful groups in order to win concessions for people who had been more on the fringes of society. And then they had to stand by and watch in horror when all of their dreams came true um, and the Soviet Union became the evil empire that it was so what they had seen was good and useful became evil mm -hmm. um you know and then Foucault didn't recognize until a lot later that, that the same thing was happening in China as well and arguably even worse what mm -hmm. happened in every communist country mm -hmm. and so what they developed is this idea of meta-narratives right so as soon as you know any way of knowing the world very arguably is a story that we, we weave stories about ourselves and about the way that society exists. Certainly Marxism would be a story and um, critical race theory would be a story, but a meta narrative becomes a way in which everything is explained through mm -hmm. this narrative. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So critical social justice, more or less everything is explained in terms of oppression, certainly mm -hmm. the dumbed down version. You know, yes. uh, uh, right. Uh, and, and, yeah. and look, there are some people who say, OK, well, why are you attacking the dumbed down version? Because there are more sophisticated versions that exist. And my answer would be I'd love to attack the more sophisticated versions, but they're not as powerful. But that's right? not they're what's not being as... no. spread the way what you're what you're talking about is this 
that there's this level on which a lot of this is, these are valuable and, and fascinating right. and worthy sociological constructs to talk about Correct. on a high level academic, you know, basis. But what, what's happened is that these are being applied and the way that they're being applied, it is incredibly dumbed down. And that was one right. of my first experiences with it was like, this is really being taught in a graduate program. This is like eighth right. grade level thinking that we're doing here. If even that, if even that, and it it's just it, it the way that it's being applied is, it's incredibly reductive. Correct. Mm -hmm. And we're allowing, and the, one of the problems is that we are allowing lots of stupid people into academia. I mean, mm. I say stupid, but people who, whose brains yeah. are not cut out for academia, mm -hmm. who should do other things. Stupid mm -hmm. is probably too strong a word, but I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, no, no, because I'm homeless. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is where I always dreamt about being. I dreamt mm -hmm. about being in a, in a kind of life where we can have the kind of conversations mm -hmm. that I'm having, because to most people, this kind of conversation is weird and that's fine. <laughs> But, you know, we're a form of life as well. And we should be allowed to do this because we can bring certain tangible benefits. And then, mm -hmm. you know, to find out that that academia is being conquered by normies who don't think about things in any depth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and this is the point. Right? right. So, so, so the critical social justice, the forms of what we now call critical social justice. And, and I can give you examples. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not just Horkheimer and, and, and you know, and, and Adorno and. Lyotard and Foucault from postmodernism, it, it, it's not just these old famous thinkers, you know, Charles Mills, and again, some of the stuff he says is batshit crazy in my opinion, but he's definitely worth reading. He died recently as well. Um, even Kimberly Crenshaw in, in in Mapping the Margin. I mean, these are, this is stuff that's worth reading. Mm -hmm. These people have a point. And we used to be in a, we used to be at a point in society where it's like, I'm probably going to disagree with 70% of this paper, but 30%, wow, that's mm -hmm. more than enough re mm -hmm. reason for me to read it. Or mm -hmm. even, I just want to know how the other side thinks. You mm -hmm. know, that's reason mm -hmm. enough to read it. Mm -hmm. So there, is, there are sophisticated arguments in the kind of family of ideas that we now call critical social justice. A lot of them are bad, including mm -hmm. from some of the big, intelligent thinkers mm -hmm. um but some of them aren't so bad and uh, but the point is, is that these these a lot of these these new scholars and their academics and some of them are, are at prestigious universities they haven't read this stuff you know i mean i, I i've been in the situation um where i've been engaging with somebody who is an academic at a prestigious university in the united states who this is all in her identity um and, you know, I thought, well, okay, how am I going to build a bridge with this person? I'm not a normie. So these kind of things are hard for me. Right. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I can talk about a bit of a bit of the literature that she invests her identity into that I actually quite like. So I was like, oh, what do you think of Charles Mills critique of ideal theory? Nothing. Mm -hmm. No, she changed the subject because she hadn't read it. Or if she had read it, she hadn't understood it. Not, not, not sufficient enough to have a conversation. So, yeah, but, but. Here's the so you're talking the, about people who are who are proponents of these ideas that have no who are professors no, at prestigious that don't have the knowledge of the no. source material. No, they they mm -hmm. can't. They, they, that's why mm -hmm. that in your grad school probably you went into a class and it was just all Twitter it was memes, memes. memes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. YouTube videos, YouTube videos. That's yeah. that's the level yeah. of their understanding. That is the level. And and, and so. And so the next thing would be, okay, well, there are these people and that's a shame. They're all idiots. Okay, I can agree with that. Um, why aren't you going after Charles Mills and engaging with people like Charles Mills and the more sophisticated arguments? What I do on the one hand is evidenced mm -hmm. by the fact that I'm able to talk about them here. Mm -hmm. But the sad thing is, is that those are not the most consequential forms of the argument. Mm -hmm. If they yeah. were, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. Right. 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 
it's the dumbed down version yeah. from Ibram X. Kendi and Robin DiAngelo. Mm-hmm. And this isn't mm-hmm. my opinion. We can demonstrate mm-hmm. this in terms of book sales. Right. Right. If you look at what, what's the bestseller on Amazon, right? And, you know, the constitutional yeah. law, the bestseller three years ago when I last checked was Critical Race Theory and inter- an Introduction by <laughs> Stefancic and Delgado. Oh, which gosh. Is, okay. Which is, which is a load of crap it says that critical race theory completely rejects not again paraphrase critical race theory is at least highly critical of liberalism or it just outright rejects Mm -hmm. it that's what they say Mm -hmm. they haven't read charles mills because charles mills actually is a critical race theorist who absolutely embraces liberalism um albeit a new form of it um but you can't you know so so they're they're reading this dumbed down nonsense Mm -hmm. and that's what's Mm -hmm. consequential so that those are the arguments i have to go after yeah and the book that we used in my in my graduate program counseling the culturally diverse by daryl wing sue this book is it feels like it's introducing microaggressions yes exactly exactly and it's all and it's he self-sources over and over throughout his whole book like if you look at his his uh his footnotes his sources are his own work so I mean, it's just, it's all made up. The whole, the whole concept mm-hmm. of microaggression. I mean, here's mm-hmm. the, like, if I, let, let's say, let, let's accept the concept of microaggression. If we accept the con- concept of microaggression, then the concept of microaggression is itself a microaggression, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Because if you're yeah. neurodiverse, you know, yeah. let's use yeah. their language. I prefer mad, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm like on the spectrum. So, so no, no, I'm serious because like, I don't expect society to recognize me as normal and 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 the rest of it. So like, I might as well make my peace with it. Um, so I'm mad. And as a consequence of being mad, I will communicate. I will think firstly in a way that most people don't. And therefore I will communicate in a way that most people don't. Um, and therefore, as I've experienced, I'm more likely to be misunderstood than most people are. Mm-hmm. Which means that I'm more likely to be accused of a microaggression. Yeah, which means yeah. that the concept of microaggression yeah. is a microaggression. Is, that's really interesting. That is really so it interesting. Doesn't, I mean, look, that's from well, a kind of like I'm I think being playful. Well, I think that's really charming in an Alice in Wonderland sort of way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hence the accent. Um, no, I'm, I'm just being playful with the concept. Yeah. What yeah. I really think about it is it's a tyranny of the subjective. And, well, it, and it's internally contradictory as well because a right. microaggression is something that's an uh, what is it? It's a, a intentional or unintentional act of aggression that's small a small and so you can't have an in unintentional aggression there's no such thing as something that's unintentionally aggressive because in order to be aggressive that implies a certain kind of intent you don't walk into a a room and and kick a trash can accidentally aggressively the aggression is the intent so when you remove intent i mean microaggression just falls apart on itself no, it completely does. Um, but but I think it's it, it's much worse than that. What it enables is a, a kind of tyranny of the subjective, mm-hmm. where it's like you you know your intention doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. All yeah. all that matters is how I feel about things. how you feel. Yeah, that's true. But that's but that's pathological, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I've encountered this, by the way. I mean, one of the the first times when I had to deal with uh, deeply upsetting um, attempts at cancelling me. Um, was when a an, an, an academic, a really lovely, intelligent person, um, lady, um, who was a non-native speaker of English, came into mm. my office and she had a abridged copy of, I think it was Oliver Twist, it was a Charles Dickens book. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised um, that she had an abridged copy because her English was really, really good and she's really, really bright. I was like, why are you reading the abridged copy? Now, 
I'm, you know, a little bit autistic, so <laughs> maybe that's a wrong question, but, but it was, and, and she was fine at the time. She was like, mm -hmm. we just laughed about it. And I said, no, like your English is amazing. Like, and you could easily handle this. Your English is better than most native speakers. And, and mm -hmm. I stand by that. It's true. Mm -hmm. And she interpreted it in a completely fine. She, we laughed it off. I don't and... see anything offensive in that at all. No, but two okay. weeks later, she exploded at me because other people have gone into her area mm. and she said that that was a microaggression and actually I was trying to other her you were making her exotic her whatever that is that or whatever exoticizing or whatever uh, yeah yeah and I was being racist against Japanese oh. people oh. and my wife and kids are Japanese but oh. yeah, never mind um wow. so um so that was just like we're gonna look for offense. She didn't even feel it, no, but she. You know, I don't even. I don't even think that she looked for. It. I think somebody else okay, overheard somebody it else because she was her. fine at the time. Okay. And she was even fine a few days afterwards, right? It okay. was. It happened a couple of weeks afterwards, mm. so it had been kind of reinterpreted, and and she had gone along with it. But oh, that's here's the shame. point. It, you know, obviously it was bad for me, but mm -hmm. it wasn't good for her either, um, mm -hmm, because. Mm -hmm. She wasn't just lashing out at me. I was the first person she lashed out at. But then she started lashing out at other people with this tyranny of the subjective. Right? All mm -hmm. that matters is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And if you don't validate my feelings, then that itself is a moral offense, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, you don't have to, it's not just that you accept that this bad thing happened. You, you have yeah. to validate it. You have to enthusiastically say, oh, that is true. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right to call this out and it's really bad. And, and what yeah. does that do to somebody's head? Well, it makes them paranoid. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, and so it, was, everybody's out to get them at this point everybody's everybody. out to get them yeah. and, this, and this poor individual would be alone in her office sobbing yeah gosh because, and that was the damage because she's reading offense everywhere she's been taught and trained that everybody is trying to hurt her feelings all the time right and so she was the victim mm -hmm. of psychological abuse Yeah, she thought it was coming from me mm -hmm. it wasn't but it was coming from the kind of critical social, the dumb down. Cause I mean, actually yeah. the person who, the person who she got it from, I attempted to engage again on critical social justice. I attempted mm. to go with um, Bell Hooks, who's a black feminist writer, because she mm. has some interesting things to say. Uh, and I found out that she doesn't know what she was talking about. Not Bell oh. Hooks, the, the woman who claims to idolize Bell Hooks. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So, you know, this this was who was getting to her and she had been manipulated by this kind of because because we all like to be victims sometimes. And like, there is a kind of like a seductive kind of it's like you've got like a sore on your tongue and you can't stop biting mm -hmm. it just to like mm -hmm. have a little bit of pain. Right. There yeah. is a kind of seductive nature. You know, like, being it's a like a addictive indignation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Self-righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but but it's. You know, maybe a little bit of wallowing in grief is all right. Yeah. If you really must watch Schindler's List or something like that, then fine. Um, but it can become pathological. And she, for her, this is all real. She lives in this world in which she's constantly being bombarded by racist microaggressions. And, and it's one thing to feel that and perceive it, but it's quite another thing to be deliberately trained to feel that way. Well, which seems thing. seems like it's so so malevolent to have an ideology that's malevolent. teaching people to feel it's incredibly like malevolent. that all the time and, and let's give wing su a little bit of credit here because he has tried to make clear that is this isn't what he intended by microaggressions um he doesn't mm. tell us what he did intend by microaggressions. i read by the I, way. i've read too much of his stuff to give him very much credit <laughs> i know for anything. i know because like the first example he uses is on the airplane right the airplane about, like yes uh, 
oh, they yes. didn't put me there because I'm ethnically. How do you? Know? Yeah, I know. It was. Like, there's so many variables he so leaves out. Like, it was kind of like with Kimberly yeah. Crenshaw as well, right? It's yeah. like she is a more nuanced thinker, and people mm-hmm. would say, well, she hasn't said this, yeah, but she hasn't spoken out against it either. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's hosted Iram X Kendi on a show, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm happy to say that her earlier work is worth reading. It doesn't mean that I think that she deserves a break mm-hmm. um, in terms of her as an individual. Um, mm-hmm. But we hold mm-hmm. like I'm big fan of Wagner's music, but it was a horrible anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, so so yeah, and, and and the person or the people who were manipulating this person, and this is typical, by the way, I think in my experience, that the people who were manipulating her um, by trying to make her feel like she was a victim were doing so in a very um, dishonest way because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they were claiming to be victims, but they weren't showing any of the signs of being victims, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're a victim at the time of victimhood and you know when you get over it it's a different thing but at the time of victimhood you shut down you it becomes hard for you to engage with people um you do think of your social status as dropping um you do become less confident in talking you put yourself out there less because mm. you think that people are going to dislike you and I've, I've gone through this mm. because of some of these people and the things that they've said about me I know, I know what it feels like and the woman who I complimented on English who said I was guilty of a microaggression she was for real mm. now you could see all of the signs of victimhood mm. but the other people around her who were claiming to be victims the kind of people who say this is really difficult for me to say or I'm going to be brave and say yeah you're not being brave you're not showing any of the signs of victimhood Mm. um and so you could tell that that they were disingenuous Mm. Mm. and there there is the kind of division isn't there there's the kind of there's the wokies you know I'm talking about the dumbed down version here there are the wokies who are the victims who they will behave in appalling ways but they are manifesting genuine victimhood right Mm -hmm. so they're they're victims as well as perpetrators Mm -hmm. but then there is the kind of the what I would call and there's some psychological evidence for this as well um I would call them Machiavellian narcissists Mm -hmm. and there is some psychological evidence to show that those traits yeah interesting so for context at this point when this happened to you and this Mm. woman came into your office you were she was a colleague of yours you were a a professor at that time and what you were teaching in a university and uh what were you teaching and how were you handling this in were you being urged to incorporate this into your curriculum no because i'm in japan oh okay Okay. Um, yeah. Well, in some places in Japan, it is being incorporated. Um, and look, I would be fine. I look. I'm. I've read lots and lots of critical social justice. I would be absolutely fine incorporating critical mm-hmm. race theory, critical mm-hmm. social justice, critical theory, postmodernism, any of those in into into a class that I was going to do. Um, I just wouldn't teach it in the way that the dumbed down workings mm-hmm. are. It would be. This is what some people are going to believe. I will try and this is the way I usually teach would be I'm going to try and convince you of critical race theory in class mm-hmm. one. And then in class two, I'm going to try and disabuse you of critical race theory. So you build up ideas and knock them down. But no, I've never received any yeah. pressure to teach that stuff. Okay. Um, I think that certain certain people at my university then were. I probably shouldn't say which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um but certainly I don't work there anymore, but certainly people who, um, yeah, I saw it happening. Um, so you, you were in Japan and you're, mm-hmm. um, are you, are you British? 
British, yes, very uh, English. Origin. Okay, English. And so, sorry, I'm so terrible with accents. You could have been Welsh or something else. I wouldn't have necessarily. And I don't know. My, Wales, I'd speak like this for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, sorry about that. But that might have been a microaggression, actually. I might have oh, just. Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so you're a foreigner in, in Japan. And mm. yet you are still considered to be the one in power you're in the powerful position in this relationship because of according, the english what, what is according to the wokies and the person okay. who the person who accused me was japanese but she had been indoctrinated in in america she was but that's like, how it still works even in even in japan that's when they're pushing this in their own way they're pushing it the same direction that it that it is in I, the western I, I wouldn't say that it's got a foothold within okay. Japanese culture. Okay. I like the reason you get it in the universities here and you don't mm -hmm. get it much in the universities here, but the reason it is here in the universities is firstly, because there are lots of foreign staff. Mm -hmm. um, second, because the Japanese think that everything, not all Japanese, but many Japanese think that everything American is the way forward. You know, so it's a, more it's a fashion. Yeah. yeah. And third, um, a lot of Japanese academics deliberately indoctrinate themselves in this stuff because they think they, they think that the sign of being more enlightened is by being more Western, um, mm. which is complete nonsense, but that's what some of them are silly enough to believe. Um, that's so interesting. I wonder how some of the, the concepts that are so prevalent in the, like the woke ideology over here would translate over there, like colonialism them, and stuff. Sure. Some of them translate really well. Some of them don't translate yeah. at all. So the idea of equity Mm -hmm. um translates quite well into Japanese because Japanese culture is um there's a culture of mediocrity at times um so for example if I'm at a university and there are two people and this has happened to me by the way um a promotion opportunity has come up but I have to apply for it and there are two people going for the job, one of whom is widely known to be lazy and incompetent. Mm -hmm. And the other is known to be very hardworking publishers in lots of prestigious places, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If those two people go for the job, if the lazy and incompetent person has been in the university for a longer, for a longer period of time, they'll pretty much automatically get the, the promotion. Okay um because so of the seniority, of seniority means more okay. absolutely i'm, not, I'm yeah. not saying that that's all japanese companies it is changing mm -hmm. um but certainly within the education se sector that tends to remain mm -hmm. true mm -hmm. and so that that's kind of ties into this that means that i'm not saying it's a perfect translation of equity but that means that, that kind of idea can come in when they can start to think of okay we need to have x number of black people and x number of women and x number mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. i mean you are starting Photos. to see on yeah you're starting to mm -hmm. see on um education applications for university female candidate preferred female candidate preferred oh wow kind of wow okay. um yeah um interesting so um that does but in terms of seeing yourself as a victim that mm -hmm. really doesn't translate into japanese at all Okay. Um, because they have a real, and you know, I'm not saying that some Japanese don't go down this route. They do, but they're generally the ones that have been indoctrinated overseas. Okay. Um, because Japanese culture places this real emphasis on gamansuru, which is this idea that you must persevere through a lot of hardship. Okay. So um, this resilience and strength. Of, yeah. Of, if you've ever watched, yeah. do you ever watch any anime or read any manga? Not very much. No, I haven't. I seen don't. Much. Okay. But if you, there's a famous um, manga anime called one piece it's just adapted into a netflix live action okay um and it's about this pirate 
and he's you know he's got this superpower but compared to the other pirates who also have superpowers he's fairly weak and in one of the famous fights he's fighting with this enemy and it goes on for several you know seven episodes maybe even more than that of just him getting the absolute shit kicked out of him repeatedly and that's like a metaphor for a japanese culture and then finally he gets this vision of his mind of his his team his crew his family Mm. if you like Mm. and then he's able to summon his inner strength so in japanese culture there's this very big emphasis on you have to suffer Mm. and so being fragile um Mm. that's that doesn't go well with the culture doesn't go doesn't go well so so it's kind of resistant in that in that sense Mm. that's really interesting Thank and so Christ. when you were in this position with this this happening with this colleague of yours, was that what you said you referred to that as one time when there was an attempted cancellation? And it sounds like yeah. it was a really significant event. Was that what led to you no longer working at the university? Is that so why you I, left? I, I survived both of my attempted cancellations. Oh, okay. Um I, I look, I think I'm I'm in a weird position that my first encounter with this stuff was online mm-hmm. in a really in you know relatively inconsequential just with some idiots mm. um who told me to educate me myself but that was it mm. like there was nothing there was no kind of sort of damocles hanging over my head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when i encountered wokies in the wild mm-hmm. i was already quite well equipped to deal with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and deal with them i have mm-hmm. um so I wouldn't say that, I don't know, the process of having to deal with them has been extremely painful. But I felt like I've come off the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't, my last job came to an end because in Japan, it's just universities generally hire on fixed term contracts. And then you mm-hmm. have to go somewhere else and you have to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, it has been more difficult for me to find employment because some of them have tried to say that I'm a homophobe. Mm-hmm which is really funny because they can't actually give an example of me doing anything homophobic so not just even choosing a that as a just making, label just, oh just wow making it up that's interesting um yeah it was really funny because at the university um this teacher who accused me of a spread you know she spread all kinds of rumors about me being a homophobe um wow. she poisoned my reputation like awfully and then that's really made it difficult for me to find jobs elsewhere but um is what that a very she... bad thing in Japan? Is is that a very oh, protective... within the university sector? It okay, is. because it's similar with the LGBT. Yeah, okay. yeah of course. and okay. fine. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I've got no time for homophobia. I just either. wonder why they would choose that label. Is this, is it something that's particularly? No, it was it, it was really really weird. It was okay. a really really weird label because actually my sister's gay, okay. um, mm-hmm. and we're very close. Like mm-hmm. I had two best friends at university. One of them was gay sadly he died mm-hmm. you know i've had lots of like relationships with gay people so it's like, just a totally from left field accusation out of okay. nothing yeah completely out of nowhere um you know i've never like you know I've loads of gay people who, who know me very well anyway and so she managed to get a job for this person at the university who was gay and like he like went into the university determined to hate me oh uh, um like absolutely determined like <laughs> chomping at the bit like to have a pop at me and then wow. he met me mm-hmm. and realized that it was all bullshit and now we're really good friends mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really interesting um so so yeah, I know I've been I've been able to push back at them, but I have had other attempts um, mm-hmm. on my reputation and, and trying to deal with me. But I think there are ways of dealing with these people that are not necessarily well understood. Mm. Um, 
what 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 do you do you have any practical advice for people who are dealing with this and what what are your suggestions i do um but i have to couch it because i'm not sure that everybody can do this mm-hmm. um and it's it's not hard from a logical point of view but from an, a psychological point of view it's it's very difficult because it means you have to go through a lot of trauma. Um, So what I did, well, the first thing that you don't do is you do not apologize. Mm -hmm. Now you can say something like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Right. But you can't say, I'm sorry for doing this. Right. You, because then if they say you apologize, no, I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And I am, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't do anything. You know, and you don't know my mind better than I do, right? You mm-hmm. you can't mind read me. I'm not I'm not buying into the standpoint epistemology telepathy. Not that they would know what standpoint epistemology is, because again, these people don't read. <laughs> Even the academics don't read. That's why right. they just teach Twitter. Um, so don't get involved with them in. Don't do what I first did, which is just read all of the literature and then expect to have a debate with them because they don't know their stuff, and that won't help i mean it might help because it might get them enraged but here's what you do first don't apologize remain courteous and be polite at all times but firmly push back and the more you do that the more angry they they're going to get because what they want you to do because remember remember their whole you know the Bradley and Manning have you read their book the victimhood seeking morality so, no. so the idea is what is it Bradley who uh well, let me have a look I'll just look it up the vic- okay that's fine um, victimhood seeking victimhood seeking morality okay um, Manning and Campbell's safe spaces. Here we go. The rise of victimhood culture, microaggression, safe spaces, and the new culture wars. That was uh, 2018. Um, Will you send me that link and then I'll I'll pop it into the description. So if anybody wants to look that up, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's really worth reading. And I'll kind Mm -hmm. of give you the synopsis of it now. Okay. Okay, I just sent it to you in the chat. Awesome, thanks. The idea is that... um, we grew up in so before us if you think of like the wild west there was like or inner city gangs in new york there's like an honor culture right it's like you don't diss me mm-hmm. or i demand satisfaction you know and then you either you'd apologize or you'd get involved in a duel or something mm-hmm. like that you always have to preserve your honor mm-hmm. so the idea is that we grow out of that kind of morality um into a dignity morality which is kind of more christian in nature and which you don't have to be a christian to 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 participate in it but this is this idea that there is this kind of divine spark inside of you that Mm -hmm. is immune to external criticism Mm -hmm. so it's like the stones exactly Mm -hmm. right which is stupid from one point of view right yeah. because words really can fuck you up yeah that's true <laughs> arguably more than sticks and stones generally do right yeah. um but as a as a moral code it's actually quite enlightened because it is trying to say that you know you have this inner thing that is a, a spark of the divine that can't be transgressed upon mm-hmm. um and therefore you know you shouldn't see yourself as a victim and if somebody mm-hmm. says something racist or homophobic to you of course that's bad mm-hmm. but that shouldn't that doesn't but you have a core upon... that's not impacted correct yeah, the, the, yeah. your dignity right 
And so now we've moved from the dignity culture that I think we grew up with. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, you know, if a man says something inappropriate to you, then which happens to women, right? that's fucking horrible but it doesn't mean that that dignity of inside you mm. has been assaulted right 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 um that you just have to you unfortunately you have to deal with that you have to roll with the punches this is life mm -hmm. um that's what we grew up with but now it's moved over to this victimhood seeking culture in which we are allocated social status for being victims or whether that victimhood is real or not right because lots mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. lots of people fake it you know the good side of it is that we give status to, to genuine victims the bad side of this, and again, if you go on the Dis Dissidents podcast, we go through the psychological evidence for this. There mm -hmm. is empirical evidence for this, mm -hmm. um, is that there are lots of bad actors who will fake victimhood mm -hmm. and gain status. And by the way, they will then take resources away from genuine victims. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, um, so the, the, the victimhood culture, the victimhood seeking morality, um, it seeks to allocate resources to victims, again, real or not, or those seeking to intervene on behalf of victims mm -hmm. and the problem is that there is a shortage of the things that cause victimhood so for example if i was to say um anti-black racism in the united states where where do you think it would be most common where in the united states anti-black yeah. racism people who hate black people where were white people who hate black people where would oh, they where I mean, would they probably stereotypically live? in the south uh yeah southeast right would they be rich or poor poor or would they be powerful no would they be likely to attend at a prestigious university no so at a prestigious university where this whole kind of victimhood seeking morality, mm -hmm. they have like a, a shortage, a critical shortage mm. of bigots. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> we've constructed a whole identity around being bigots and we want to present ourselves as being heroes, as either victims or those who are interceding on Protecting, behalf of victims. Yeah, That's our, our narrative, our yeah. story, you know, mm. we're as allies. And great, you know, if you if you genuinely have bigots, then that's not a problem. Yeah. So wokeism ceases to become a problem. It might actually be a good thing yeah. if you're in a situation where there are lots of actual bigots. The problem is, is there aren't any in mm -hmm. or, or very few. And those who genuinely do have those um, opinions within a prestigious American university are going to be silent mm -hmm. <laughs> because they, they will know what the consequences of speaking those opinions will be. Right. And so and so what happens then is that you can't find real evil. You can't so find you go real on a bigots. witch hunt. Yeah. So you have to invent it mm. just in order to, to just to paint to, to create your narrative of being this person who is gaining social status and getting those nice little endorphin hits mm -hmm. um, for standing up on behalf of the victims of racism or of sexism or of homophobia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not to say that these things don't exist in America. Of course they do. But but where do they exist? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some bigots in American universities, but I'm sure they don't talk about their bigotry very often. Um, and I would say that Unless these things it's tend the to... other way around, and then you hear plenty. Well, of right. Well, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I the, think the endorsed is... bigotry of the day is a different flavor. Quite, and you know, I've been dismissed like to my face as being cis, heterosexual, and white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I just don't yeah. understand what there is yeah, to be insulted it was a, about that. That there was that phrase that I heard. Uh, you know several times when i was in graduate school it was the first time i'd heard it and it was about cishet white men yeah cishet white men and they're just and i was like what are you even saying i don't understand no break that down slow for me because i don't understand the word you're saying 
and yeah. none of those things mean anything like mm. like no it's it's a slur and a bizarre one and and how would you on the one hand think that it's terrible to accuse a black person of being yeah. bad because they're black and yet it's not it's it's, yeah, it's just, and by the yeah. way there are critical social justice scholars i know a couple who'd be completely on point with this and go, yeah, it's fucking weird. What's wrong with these people? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah. uh, it's, it's very, very, very odd. Um, yeah. yeah and so, yeah. so then go, you know, that, that's how really I, great. You're going into this. Back? Well, yeah, yeah. You've got, don't so apologize, turn, remain courteous and polite, apologize. push back. Push back, but, but turn the other cheek. So here's okay. what you've got to do. Okay. You've got to make them show their true colors. Mm-hmm. So the more you hold the line, the more you stay courteous and polite, the more angry they're going to get because mm-hmm. they belong to the victim of seeking culture. They are mm-hmm. looking to be a victim. They are trying to, they want you to react angrily. They want you to say, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And you would be perfectly morally justified in telling them to, to, to fuck off. Like, right. Fuck off, you idiot. That would be absolutely fine. But then what they're going to do is they're going to switch on. I'm the victim now. And they're going to mm-hmm. start crying and start saying, this is how women are talked to, or this is how black people are talked to, or this is how right. queer yeah. people now are talked to, or this is how some... people who stand up for gay people are talked to. <laughs> and they're just going to go yeah. off on one. And they have a good yeah. story, by the way. And not, yeah. by the way, when I say a good story, I don't mean a good story in the sense that it's anybody should be convinced by it, but it's not logically coherent or accurate, mm-hmm. but it's a good story insofar as it plays on people's heartstrings and mm-hmm. it resonates with people. And I'm sorry, like, mm-hmm. I wish it didn't, but it does. And that, no, if it true. didn't, it would be as powerful. It wouldn't be as powerful as it is. So it mm-hmm. resonates with people naturally. Um, and so that's how they do it. So they are begging you to lose your rag with them. They're begging you and look, never do what your enemy this like I, mm. I'm in war theory, right? That's my field, yeah. right? Never ever do what your enemy wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's really not a good idea. Toe the line, push back logically, calmly. They will get more and more frustrated, particularly if they're kind of malignant narcissists, which a lot of the people, the disingenuous people who would be leading the, the mobbings, the witch hunts, they tend to be. The mm-hmm. people who go along with it, not so much, but gener- the people who might be offended and it might mm-hmm. be case one, maybe not so much, but the people who are leading the witch hunts tend to be quite malignant narcissists, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, again, my opinion, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that there's research to back this up, but well, there is research that says that there are narcissists involved, but in terms mm-hmm. of whether they lead witch hunts or not, there isn't. So you have to toe the line, frustrate them because mm-hmm. you not losing their begging you they really really want you and they're going to get more and more and more vicious in my case they were trying to send messages telling me to kill myself telling me that I'm a laughing stock wherever I went telling me that everybody hated me telling me that nobody would take me seriously in life telling all of these things really terrible yeah but it's exactly what I wanted them to do Mm -hmm. it was exactly what I wanted but it shows them for what they are shows them for what they are and if you've been polite through all of this Mm -hmm. And they are saying things like this to your face, mm-hmm. behind your back, in private. There mm-hmm. will be people. Mm-hmm. I can't say there will be because it will depend upon the context within which you operate. I mean, there are some contexts that are just too far gone, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I would guess within most institutions, there will be people who will recognize this for what it is. And there may be people who speak up on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So the people who spoke up on my behalf, some of them were Wokies which was quite interesting. So not everybody who buys into this ideology is going to behave in this kind of really awful way. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they won't. Um, And yeah, and that's, that's 
turn the other cheek mm. don't turn the other cheek doesn't this is like a big misinterpretation of christianity i'm not a christian by the way but this is a misinterpretation of christianity turn the other cheek doesn't mean back away like a coward mm-hmm. right it means literally don't don't throw down in the way that they're throwing down be smarter than them mm-hmm. let them say because eventually they'll hang themselves mm-hmm. and that's what they do mm-hmm. um and that's the way in which i've been successful in dealing with them and i've had they've apologized to me as well mm-hmm. which has been quite interesting wow well i think that's really great advice i, mm-hmm. I think that and it, in a way uh to a lesser extent because i didn't face that kind of toxic bullying at at my school i it was different it was more um, more on the level of the institution, not these people telling me these horrible things that you were told. But I'm sure that that was being said about me. I, in fact, I saw some Twitter threads about me when I first started putting out my videos. But, so, but uh, they did. I felt that they did exactly that. They really showed their true colors when they issued um, a notice to all the students that I was a white supremacist, based on you know you could see my videos and you could see that that was absolutely ridiculous to say. But when they're calling me, I mean, it, it really felt like exactly what you're saying. It shows how ridiculous their position is. No, absolutely, completely ridiculous. And we have to remember that people like this have held power, but they don't for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And look, if you're one of them, this is not going to be a good look in 10 years time. <laughs> I mean, it really is extremely cringe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. in 10 years time, when this is all passed, at least you and I are going to be able to say, no, look, I stood yeah. up to it. You know, yeah. and here's yeah. YouTube videos of me standing up to it. <laughs> um, they're still there unless they've been purged by some wokey at YouTube. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate they, your optimism. That's oh, no, really no. I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I am an optimist. Um, I think that many people aren't but i i I also think that this movement okay wokery is not the same as communism but it Mm -hmm. shares some key features right again Mm. you know communism is different insofar as it's much more conciliatory Mm. at least when they're not in power Mm-hmm. When they get into power, then they start. You start to see the similarities between um, wokery and communism, and that is the fact that they both. And we alluded it to it a second ago. They they need a steady stream of victims. So mm-hmm. with the Bolsheviks, first it was the the rich people. They were all accused of being traitors or bourgeoisie or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were shot or sent to freeze death on some gulag in Siberia. Mm-hmm. Um, then they ran out of rich people um then they it was the mensheviks who were the people that they were their comrades you know okay we have some differences but we can work them out we're on the same team they got rid of them they were sent to the gulags and then the mensheviks were gone um and then it was the bolsheviks themselves like you think you're okay like you look at the pictures of soviet party conferences from one year and the next next year like half of them have been purged right same thing's happening right now with xi jinping right um Xi Jinping right now is just purging everybody who's competent and it's completely destroying China that's why China as a country is basically done Mm. um well there's no way back from it now I mean they're completely Mm. done so so it's this this same principle and this is what they're doing so they will they are already running out of people to cancel Mm. right they've run out of bigots now they've got new now they're trying to cancel I don't know moderates yes yeah like i i consider myself to be a moderate i I wouldn't consider myself to be right wing i maybe slightly left of center Mm -hmm. center ish you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so now they're going after moderates um but you know they'll run out of moderates and increasingly they're going to go after each other i mean you Mm -hmm. see them going after each other 
Mm-hmm. Was there was some guy on Twitter who was like, he was really woke, and he said, "I don't like fat Americans" or something like that, and then he got <laughs> accused of fat shaming people or something. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. And he said, "Fuck off, you twat." Um, no, it's, fuck, it's a purity spiral. Right off, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and 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 so that's why an ideology like this just eats itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's evil, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. evil is stupid. Evil never works out well for anybody. I mean, you can be a smart person and and do evil things. They don't benefit you. I mean, evil just ends up destroying itself always, and mm-hmm. and and it will do here. Um, and that doesn't make me religious. It's just an observation from history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am very optimistic that these people will destroy themselves. Um, and good on you if you're one of the few people who are you know, putting putting yourself out there and, and standing up to it, because I think you will reap the rewards in future. I really do for, for the bravery that you have now. I think that's, that is lovely. I love the upbeat take on this and it, it makes me feel um, really happy to hear somebody present things that way. I, I also think that we're probably going to round the bend and that this will be pretty, pretty, as you say, cringe in just a few years time. But it's already getting that way, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's already like like we're going to have to deal with the fallout for a long time. So I think that oh there's, yeah, there's some serious, serious uh, issues that will come consequent. You know that what's happening in education and the children. This is going to be a long process, slogging out of it. But I do think that a lot of these in-your-face, blatant things, they're they're just not going to survive much longer. I don't believe. The, no and, and and like already some of it is cringe like when you think of a white person well, black lives matter it's just <laughs> like so fucking cringe not that black lives don't matter of course they of course do they but do. the whole kind yeah, of like that whole the whole like, kind yeah. of like posturing is just yeah. so cringe um yeah i mean the one fa- thing that i've got is that kids rebel mm-hmm. yeah right so when these kids become teenagers are they really going to be like you know all these sad middle-aged people who are kind of like coming out with these cringeworthy ideas that have obvious holes in them like you know are they gonna adhere to that stuff i doubt it i mean that's what young people do they push back against the folly of earlier generations Mm -hmm. and they'll have people like us to help them out Mm -hmm. um and help them out we (laughs) shall yes indeed mike it's been such a pleasure talking with you i really enjoyed it the pleasure was all mine. Hope Can to do you it again. tell everybody where to find you and say it out loud um, for, for those who are hearing it? And I'll put the links down below as well. Yeah. So my Twitter handle is uh, Mike. Let me just check. Uh, at Mike underscore Burke, B-U-R-K-E underscore UK. Um, and um, if you go to YouTube, type in the Dissidents podcast or the Dissidents Institute for Liberal Values, if you can find it. Um, you can also find it on Apple or Spotify or any of those things. Um, we're on there. And we talk about Elizabeth's, um, again, my background, psychology, philosophy, that kind of thing, education. Elizabeth's a, um, a professor of psychology. So she kind of covers that angle. And we look at the psychological causes and ramifications of cancel culture um, and what we can do about it. Um, good. But Excellent. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mutual pleasure. Good.